I want to talk a little bit today about holding to visions in difficult seasons. Holding to vision or visions in difficult seasons. Because, you know, when circumstances change, human nature tends to give up on future hopes. Like, for instance, uh, the, the widow woman with Elijah, when he comes out of the, the brook, he comes from the brook, the brook dries up and he comes to this woman and she's sitting there and she's making some little, little like, I guess you could say some naan cakes. Some, she had some flour and she had some oil and she was making some little naan bread cakes. And she basically said, well, this is all I've got and everything I have is, is, is gone. Me and my son are going to eat this and die. She couldn't see past the naan cakes because her situation had changed and her situation had influenced her vision. Now, before that story, what you're not told is that woman had aspirations, she had dreams, she had goals, she had things that she felt like she needed to do and she needed to achieve. And yet, in this moment, we catch her and she has no vision past these little pieces of flour and oil. They had become her end game. They had become something that she couldn't see past. She, she'd given up and she'd buried her visions, her aspirations and her dreams because the challenge in front of her had overshadowed those and she didn't know how to manage it. And so she really was suicidal. She was at a place of deep loss and despondency, giving up on all those things and choosing just to look at this naan bread and say, let's have one last meal and call it quits. And so I really want to talk about it today because, you know, the world has been influenced by the majority of the world has been influenced by fear on a very deep level. And the church has had, you know, almost globally has had some two months of, I think it's, I think it's approximately just slightly over two months of non-operational, uh, you know, status. And so, you know, where people had visions in their, like you could say the same of businesses, businesses that have been closed down, places of work have been shut. Now, some people have had to work from home. A lot of, I think they're saying in America, 30 to 40 million people are out of their jobs. And so for, for the world right now, a lot of people are looking at this, this flour and this oil. They had visions, people have had dreams, people have had aspirations. But the thing is, is that circumstances have changed and they've challenged those things. And now once hopeful people are very despondent or very, you know, negative or very, you know, pessimistic as opposed to optimistic. And so I, we really need to understand this because when God does something, he doesn't change his mind because the, the, the weather rains the next day. God doesn't, you know, alter his story. Well, maybe I got that vision wrong for that person. Maybe, maybe that thing that they set out to do is no longer valid because, well, you know, things have changed now and people, you know, and, and the other side of it is, is like with what's happened with COVID, you know, in a lot of cases, churches have had to close and do remote online church services like what we're doing right now. And what I believe the devil has actually tried to do, and I really want you to pay attention with what I'm about to say. 
what the devil has really tried to do in behind all of the, you know, we're concerned for your health, these are the statistics, um, you know, this is very serious, all the news constantly pounding people's minds with um, uh, very influential biases and opinions. What I believe in the background the devil has tried to do is he's tried to retrain us on what is important and what matters and where our vision lies and what's possible. The devil has tried to retrain people's habits of, well, you know, we're just used to staying home and we don't like this. But I've got news for you. There's a change in season coming. Okay? Things are going to shift. But the enemy has really tried to alter the way that people see things and steal hope, steal vision, steal dreams, steal goals, steal aspirations. You know, uh, for instance, you know, uh, one of the things... Uh, the Lord spoke to me, he's been speaking to me for the last two years about doing a prophet academy uh, specifically for prophets on, on the West Coast. And we were going to do that in August. Now, the notice is too short to do it now, but we had to actually cancel it because no one really knew how long this was going to go. The Lord spoke to me about it being two months, and that looks like it's the Lord was accurate as it happens. But <laughs> God's pretty good at saying stuff like that. But, you know... When stuff like this happens, you need more time for advertising and things like that. So we've had to push that back. Now, I'm not going to give up on that because we started to set a date and this thing happened and it kind of rained on the parade. And now, well, now it's just difficult because we have to move it. No, God said it and we're going to do it. So, you know, a lot of the times when seasons like this happen, people actually get thrown off and... And we lose our vision because we we almost forget what it was like to go out to restaurants and to socialize and to hang out after church and things like, do, do you get what I'm saying? And pe people really, we need to understand that when we go through seasons of difficulty, that we're not to forget the things that God has put in our hearts. We're not to forget the things that he had us doing. We're to be faithful to those things. Now, if restrictions come, like what we've just walked through, we've done our best to honor those, to honor the government that's put some of those things in place. But at the same time, we can't put on hold the things that God has told us. We can't uh, dismiss those and say, well, that maybe just isn't the thing anymore. No, God spoke and his word is true. So I want to read a couple of scriptures real quick um, because I want us to really understand what being pregnant with the word of the Lord looks like. I want us to understand that when God speaks, he conceives something in here and, you know, God is not giving you a conception of a vision or an instruction or a goal or, or a, a, something that you are to work out or walk out or, or partner with so that you can have a stillborn in the spirit. He doesn't want you to have something that started off well and then it just fizzles out and it never happens because that actually is displeasing to the Lord. So I, I want to show you something. If you remember... The children of Israel were set free. We've talked a lot about the children of Israel in this time. They were set free from Egypt and 400, from 400 years of slavery. And they come across and God opens the Red Sea and they walk across that. 
and he destroys the Egyptian army and he walks them through several great miracles. Water coming from the rock, manna coming out, they go to the bitter waters of, of, of Mamre and um, of Myra, sorry, of Myra, and uh, that water had actually uh, um, magnesium in it that would kill the parasites that they ingested in their Egyptian diets. And so you see this amazing outworking. God gives them the Ten Commandments. He hand writes in the stone these Ten Commandments, gives them to Moses. They go through a pretty couple of bad backsliding moments, but they come to the River Jordan, and God has Moses send 12 spies, one from each tribe, across the River Jordan to spy out the land of Canaan, because that's the land that was promised to Abraham. And so they already know it's theirs. They've been given a vision, okay? Abraham, their forefather, their really, you could say, patriarch, was given a vision, and he was given a promise that this land is going to be ours. But the children of Israel have a 400-year quarantine. Someone listen to me. Had a 400-year quarantine in slavery in another empire with different gods, value systems. They were oppressed. They were, they were really a stay-at-home order like you've never seen before, except if you're making bricks for the, the pyramids and the different buildings that they were building. And, and the, the, they were obviously slaves in different, different forms. But, you know, what happened was, is their mentality changed. Now, although they'd heard the stories of Abraham, you have to understand there's like 12 to 14 generations in 400 years. That's huge. That's, that's absolutely massive. So, you know, I've heard some of the stories from my grandparents, some. But once it goes great-great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, it's just a lot of things have been lost in translation. You see? And so when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they don't even know who they are anymore because the enemy has brainwashed them in a quarantine about what God had previously said. So much so that the 12 plagues of Egypt smash, God smashes Egypt with the 12 plagues. We talked about it in Passover. And you know the final one being the death of the firstborn and Pharaoh finally relents. And even with all these miracles, the children of Israel still had an issue. And now we're gonna fast track here. Now these 12 spies from, from Israel Go across, or the children of Israel go across the river Jordan and they spy out Canaan, the land of Canaan. And they see, they see beautiful uh, uh, trees. Because you've got to remember, they've come from Egypt, which although it had fertile ground around the Nile, mostly as a desert nation. And so, you know, they come to Canaan and it is gorgeous. It is fertile. There are grapes that are like huge clusters of grapes, the Bible describes, and all different kinds of fruit. God talked about the land of milk and honey. And so they just walk into this amazing, fertile, uh, uh, prosperous land. And yet at the same time, in that land, there were these giants. And the Bible talks about them. You can, we've talked about them before, Genesis chapter 6. You can see some, some of them referred uh, to the Anakim. Others are referred to the Nephilim. They were, they were giants. They were half-breeds. And so the, these were men that ranged from anything from 10 to 18 foot tall. They were huge, huge creatures. 
And so these 12 spies cross over and they see all these good things, but 10 of them, due to circumstances and a long season of being quarantined, still after all the miracles, wouldn't believe that God actually had a plan from way back with Abraham to give them this land. And 10 of the spies, all 12 spies come back, and 10 of them stand up and they give a bad report to all the people. And all the people's hearts fail because fear is a cancer to faith. If you, if you believe fear, then you're going to have an impossibility engaging with faith. And so, you know, that's why for me, like, you know, I'm just very militant when it comes to that type of thing because I refuse to let that inside my gates, that my ear gates or my eye gates. That, that's not allowed in. And so, you know, but the two spies that came back of the 12 that had a positive report was Joshua, who later became the leader of all of Israel, and Caleb. And, and I want to talk a little bit about Caleb for a second because he's not talked about a whole bunch, but I love how he is talked about. And these two guys went over and they came back saying, we can do this, God has promised it. It doesn't matter that we've been slaves for 400 years. It doesn't matter that we just walked through a whole desert. It doesn't matter that we don't have an army. We're just slaves that were set free. These guys have armies and they have fortified cities and they have these giants, but God's with us and he can do it, you see? And so we have to hold on to the promise over time. Okay, so what happened was that the 10 spies came back and gave a terrible report but these two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back and gave a great report, said, we can do this, this is ours for the taking. And what we know is that the children of Israel reneged on going across. They didn't trust God. And God said, okay, well, because you didn't trust me, well, you're going to spend the next season in the desert. So they stayed on that side of the Jordan in the desert. Now, can you imagine that? Instead of being across the Jordan in green pastures with, you know, there probably would have been some wars. There was some wars. In the future but you know at least they would have been living better but they chose to stay in the desert because they refused to that their circumstances had changed their perspective instead of their faith controlling their expectation their circumstances had controlled their perspective instead of their faith holding to an expectation and so they stayed there and the Lord actually kept them some 45 years in the desert. Now, people say 40, but if you, we're going to read this right now and you'll see what I'm saying. It was actually technically 40. So, so uh, I'm going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading with, with verse 6. Now, the children of Israel had crossed over into Canaan some 40 years later. A whole generation died off that wouldn't believe God. And the new generation said, we can do it. Let's do this. Okay, they'd gone in, they'd started conquering parts of, the, parts of Canaan. And, and now, now you get to see, uh, this is about, says is about Caleb. So let's go to Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of that, the Kenizzite, uh, and he said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. This, this is, look at this. This is Caleb speaking. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh, from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. I came back and told the truth. This is, we can do this. It's, this is God. 
Nevertheless, my brethren, or the other ten who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Come on. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance. Come on. And your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. So they wandered in the desert for 40 years and they crossed over. And now they'd crossed, they started crossing over. And they must have been in there some 40, sorry, some, some one to five years in Canaan. Because he was 40 when he went into spy. And now it's 45 years later. So he's 85 years old now. Okay. Verse 10. And, and behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And as he has said to me, these 45 years... Ever since the Lord spoke this to Mo this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, from and now here I am, this day eighty-five years old. Watch this. I love this part. Verse eleven. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. See, there's something about staying strong. What he was saying was, I'm as strong in my heart and in my focus and my strength now at 85 years old, as I was when I was 40 years old, when Moses sent me in to check out the land that God had told us was already ours. I am, I have not diminished my faith. I have not diminished my focus. I still believe the word of the Lord, and I am ready. Come on, this is, this is beautiful to me. I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, and you heard in that day how the Anakim were here, and that <clears throat> the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, of the uh, drive them out as the Lord said. You see, there was giants in the territory which the Lord told him he could have. It was actually a mountain area. That's why he said, give me my mountain. Because the Lord saw that he had faith and the Lord said, because of that, you're going to have that whole territory is going to be yours and your children's inheritance. Come on. I'm going to read down to the end because it's actually really cool. And Joshua blessed him. Joshua was the other spy. Joshua was now leading all of the children of Israel. And Joshua blessed him and gave, he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jebethinadah, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephibur, the Kenzanite, <coughs> to this day, because he wholly followed the, the Lord God of Israel. Now watch this. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath, Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakin. Then the land had rest from war. So what it was saying was, is that Anakim was, was, was the name of these species of giants. They, they're, they're in the Bible, they're in all history, but they were, it's basically a demon and, and human hybrid, or an angel-human hybrid. And what, what it's telling us here is that that territory where the mountain was had the strongest and greatest of that, of that kind in that mountain. And so Caleb went in, drove them out. Guys, we have to get to this place, you know, because... Apathy, I want to talk about apathy for a second. Apathy is like this sleepy, hollow spirit. It's this, it's this unhealthy form of relax. We get into this like, 
vacation mode and the vacation mode gets into our mind it gets us into like a couch potato mentality and you know while this COVID thing has had you know i believe for the church it's been a great moment for us because i actually feel like we've been very very effective with a lot of these online services a lot of people have been full of fear and they've been reaching out and they've seen a lot of our broadcasts and i believe it's helped a lot of people uh, but in the same context i believe that many of us have actually been hit by a mentality of the stay-at-home order you could say and it's caused people in their minds to become apathetic where people have shrunk back to a place of well i just better be careful and i just better be safe and i just you know i need to be very very you know slow and you know i'm just going to wait on that for the next year no we need to we need to check ourselves because a lot of the, not a lot of the time any opportunity that the enemy gets he's going to put an agenda in behind something like this and i believe the agenda has put people into like a relaxed stay at home isolation you know no need to engage no need like when we first started um doing this the first probably five to six weeks we had twice the amount of views on our church services but slowly over time we've watched people pulling back and disengaging and you know that's actually a really good sign because not not in a positive way but it's a good sign that this agenda that the enemy has it gets people starting real strong but we don't know how to finish well and we need to learn how to start strong and no matter what an environmental shift happens what circumstance happens we hold to the word of the lord that we can say like caleb i was 40 years old then but now i'm 85 or maybe now maybe you were you know it was two months ago you know it was march then but now it's it's moving into june almost it's near coming near the end of may and i'm just as strong in my faith with god as i was in in january I'm just as focused on the things that God has told me over 2020 as I was in December 31st. I am just as much trusting God now, even more so because the enemy's coming, rather than, well, you know, I just want to be careful. You see, and it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. It sounds like it has all these good intentions, but it actually is there to, to neuter you or to eunuch you. And what that, when I use that word eunuch, <coughs> eunuchs were servants that actually had their reproductive uh, organs cut in such a way where they could not reproduce. It was particularly around men. And you know, you can talk, you could you hear about that the, the, the woman Jezebel who was married to Ahab in the Old Testament. And at the end of her life, that says that she was just surrounded by eunuchs. And it's amazing how Jezebel speaks of manipulation. You, you could talk about witchcraft, but let's talk about manipulation. So manipulating, Jezebel used her words. Elijah had just slain all the prophets of Baal, okay? Fire had come out of heaven. You remember the story? Fire came out of heaven and consumed the offering. All the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and nothing was happening. The demons couldn't answer, okay? And heaven came to Elijah and when that happened, all of the Elijah slayed all the prophets of Baal, right? So there's this massive standoff and powerful demonstration of heaven, okay? And all of the prophets of Baal, the false prophets, the basically witch doctors get killed, okay? It's Old Testament, 
not endorsing that kind of behavior right now, but it is Old Testament. But then what happens is Jezebel, who was the queen, she sends a word. Now, in modern language, that's like media. It's from the same root word. Okay, it is a declaration. And it was basically, let's kill Elijah. Okay, and he freaked after this massive demonstration. The season hits and he actually retreats into a cave. Because after all this power is demonstrated, now he's afraid of this woman. Okay, and he retreats to a cave. And I just find it really amazing that God can be moving and demonstrating and the church is like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And like, you know, words can be so cheap, but if, but if we really want to show ourselves strong to heaven, we'll be found steadfast. We'll be found in the same place, in the same posture, not losing our zeal, still focused on the prize like Caleb was. And I just really want to encourage us. Someone needs to get this because I really feel that for some of us, that the enemies try to put a sleepy hollow spirit on us, trying to put an apathy on us. And so this, this, this woman, Jezebel, all of the servants around her were eunuchs. And so it's amazing to me how what that really looks like is that all of the servants around her had lost their potential. She'd killed something in them that, that was actually a future generational legacy for, the, for that story. But I would tell you that around the spirit that's at work of, in the age right now that we're living in, there's actually spirits trying to sever the visions, goals, and destinies, and the, and the, the plans of God, that we would be active and, and we would be focused on the things that God has given us. Just like here, we, we, I just love it. It's one of my favorite, pa I mean, I have so many favorite passages, but this one for me means something. Because Caleb held on through a season when it looks like disqualification had happened, but he was so committed to God's plan and God's um, uh, blessing of inheritance that nothing took his zeal away. He didn't need 10 years to come back around to the idea that this was, he was like, nope, I was 40 then and I'm 85 now and I'm just as committed and I'm just as strong. Now let's do this. Now church, I've got to say something. We might have been out of action for two and a half months, but I'm here to tell somebody today that God has given us mandates for 2020. God has spoken over the dwelling place that this would be a year of great growth, a, a year of great souls, and we can't let this apathy hit the church. We cannot let what the enemies tried to do, changing people's perspectives and changing people's motivation and changing people's uh, um, energy levels or focus levels or even agreement levels or trust levels. We need to let the fire of God, the strength of God rise up on the inside of us and say, come on, let's arise and build. Let's arise and build in 2020. Let's arise and gather souls. Let's arise and worship God together. Let's arise and call on the fire of heaven. Come on, somebody. I, I'm here to tell somebody today that we need to be a Caleb and a Joshua generation. That despite the environment, we're going to believe God. Despite the circumstances, we're going to believe God. Despite the situation or even the, even the adversaries and the enemies and the mountains in our way, we are going to believe God. I'm here to tell somebody, church, 
Dwelling Place Orange County. And if you're at a different church, and this applies to you too, we need to arise now and come out of our caves and come out of our quarantines and start to get to a place where it's like, look, while I'm going to respect what I need to, I'm not, because here's the deal, I've not been quarantined at all. I've, I've been at my house respecting rules, but my spirit has not been shut down. My my vision has not been shut down. My hope in God has not been shut down. My, my focus and my energy and my strength for what God wants to do has not been shut down. We are not quarantined in our spirits, okay? And just because we've been in certain modes, you know, there's so many dynamics in society that have changed in the last two and a half months. <coughs> there's so many, even coughing has freaked people out. You know, um, there's so many dynamics that have changed, but we have to be so careful that we don't come under the popular spirit of the world, that we fly high with the spirit of God and we walk in faith and we walk in focus and we stay, we keep ourselves committed to the things that God has promised us because that is what will get God's attention and that is what will cause heaven to move. And so I'm here to tell us, tell, look guys, we are not going to spend three weeks rebuilding the culture. We're going to come straight into our first church service physical church service, screaming and shouting and dancing in the glory of God, calling on the fire of heaven, seeing souls saved and, and, and bodies healed in Jesus' name. We are not going to come all sleepy, hollow, hollow waiting to break through. We're going to come crashing through, entering his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. So I just really want to encourage someone today that we don't get distracted. And if you have, that's okay. Just Some of these things, they most of the time they don't come, oh, by the way, I'm apathy. Could I come and move in and make you fall asleep? It just slowly moves in very deceptively. And all of a sudden we realize, yeah, I just don't feel motivated anymore. I just, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go to church every week. Ah, oh, you know, I've been, it's been two and a half months. Maybe no one will notice if I'm not around. No, you matter. You matter to this church body. You matter. See, it's not just about a membership. Like, forget that. God has assigned you to be places. And it's so important that we understand who our family is, who our tribe is, because that's where God's going to move. That's the, that's the family that God's going to cause us to thrive with. And, and each of us need each other. It's not just about you needing something from the church. The people in the church need you too. So it's really important that we understand that, that this has not been some shut down, switch off, disengage, put the car into neutral and just idle. No, you cannot let that. We need to be alert and vigilant. We need to be, like I was talking about the other week, we need to be hyper alert. We need to be focused. I'm not going to let, you know, and it's not just high energy stuff. It's, it's just that I refuse to let my environment change my focus and my obedience or my zeal for what God has told us that we're going to do and we're going to have. Amen? Can someone say amen to that? Now, I have one last scripture, okay? And then I'm going to land. Uh, it, it's very well known. It's the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. <clears throat> Habakkuk chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 2 to 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Some of you, that's an iPad. Okay. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. God knew that there was going to be some weirdness this year. 
everything he said about this year is still on the table. If you disengage and put your vehicle of life into neutral or into park and just sit there idling the engine, you may miss some of the open doors for this season. It's so important that you get vigilant and that you have a vision to look at. Like Caleb, I was 40, I'm 85. It is mine, God promised it to me, let's have it. Give me my mountain, okay? We need to stay in agreement and active to what God has promised. Nothing is ever achieved. Like, you know, I, I like studying some of the some of the people that have achieved great success on the earth and none of them have ever been lazy. Why do we believe in the church that if we just cruise through a church community and just hang out, that we're going to achieve great things for God? How We need to understand, and I'm not talking about getting into striving. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that, you know, Jesus, it's talk, I referenced that I believe last week, but it's out of Isaiah, but Jesus really lived that out. He said, zeal for my father's house has consumed me. And, you know, God has plans that are far greater than man's. If man has a news announcement, says the whole world shut down for two months or a year or whatever they want to say. You know, I, I was telling my friend on the phone, it's like, you know, God spoke to me very clearly in the middle of March. He said, this is going to be two months of, of basically like a lockdown. And he said, and it's, it's going to be a little crazy out in the world. He said, but it's not going to be crazy because of the virus. This is what God told me. It's not going to be crazy because of the virus. It's going to be crazy because of the fear that people buy into. And everything that God told me has come to pass. I'm, I've watched absolute insanity. And it's not because of the virus. It's because of fear. You know, and I've said this so many times, but like the flu still killed more people this year than, than COVID has, the, the real numbers. And so, you know, if we trust God, we're, we're going to see things play out that maybe make other people, put other people into a state of neutrality or a state of apathy where everyone kind of goes into a hibernative state. But if you trust in the Lord and you seek him, you're going to mount up on wings as eagles. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. Come on, old men will see visions and young men will dream dreams. Do you know why old men need to see visions? Because they've been through, or old men and women, because they've been through so much in life that they don't feel like there's anything more for them. And they start looking to retire. But a vision invites you into a new season of promise where you pursue a process in God. Young men will see dreams. That's where you start to find purpose. Young women, we're young, we don't know where we fit in this thing. You know, we don't really know how all this works, but we see dreams from God and God starts inviting us into things. See, heaven is always speaking dreams, visions, destiny, purpose, and, and missions. He's always inviting us into process. And this, this thing, I just want to dismantle this a little bit today. I think I have been, but you know, this, this thing has tried to put an apathy over people economically, fear-wise, psychologically, from a health point of view, from the risks we're willing to take, from what we'd believe God for. It's tried to put a damper, or what we call it, where I grew up, like a wet blanket. Like if you have a fire, you just put a wet blanket over the fire and it'll put the fire out. No, we're not going to let this flame go out. We are going to be full of zeal for God. 
and we're going to love Jesus with all of our heart, and we're going to walk out the plan and the purpose of God. Okay, so so um, let's just read this real quick. <coughs> that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. See, God knew this wasn't going to, some of the things he told us, he knew that March, April, and May were going to happen, okay? But he also knew that June, July, and August were coming. He knew that September, October, November were coming. And he knew that by December, the things he had told us over this year were coming to pass. So don't worry just because March, April, and May have happened. Listen, keep your hope up. Get your faith back. Don't, don't, don't switch off and disengage. You should be even more zealous because the devil has tried to slow down God's plan. That tells you that God's plan has potency and that God's going to deliver great things this year for you and your life, for this church and our lives and, and, and for us as a family. And, and I really, really believe that this is going to be a phenomenal year. This is not a year, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I wish we could get a reset on 2020. I personally don't. I think great things are coming out of this, much greater than any of us could have imagined. Remember what God told me. He said this would be a year of acquisition and recompense. Okay, devil, recompense means, and it usually refers to a criminal that has stolen. Okay, so you just mess with us March, April, and May. Guess what? You're paying up, devil. You owe this, 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 and this. Some of you, it's messed with your job. Some of you, it's messed with your finances. Some of you, it's messed with relationships. Some of you, for all of us, it's messed with our ability to have church. Guess what? March, April, May, for that devil, as a dwelling place church, we're taxing you souls. We're getting souls out of this in Jesus' name, and you're giving them up, and we're getting them in Jesus' name. You're also giving us a building. You're going to give us a building in Jesus' name. Because you tried to mess with us. We're the sons and daughters of God. Or you, you might be thinking to yourself, man, you're talking real arrogant. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm just getting started. Because I'm a son of God. You're a son or a daughter of God. That means that we are, we have heaven's inheritance. This earth doesn't actually belong to the devil. It's been given to the sons and daughters of God. So the devil's squatting on what belongs to us. And we've got to go and uplift some of that stuff. Okay, so souls, that sounds like a good declaration to me. And yep, I think you can give us a building too, because you're mess because you tried to make us not have a building for three months, we're taking a building permanently. Amen. Jesus' name. You gotta get so expensive for the devil that anytime he messes with you, you place a fee on him. You put a tax on him, okay? <coughs> this stuff works. The Bible says when the thief repays, so when the thief is caught, he must repay seven times. That is a spiritual law. When the thief is caught, he must repay seven times. Spiritual law. Okay, so you took three months from us, we're getting 21 months. Come on, someone needs to let that sink in. We're getting 20, 21 months. Come on. Or you can just go ahead and give us a building. I, I'd like that idea better. Okay, so... For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries or though it delays, wait for it because it will surely come and not delay. I just want to close with that. I want someone to really, really get this today. And I could talk so much more on this. I had other scriptures, but I'm just going to land here. Because I really, really believe it's so important that we have this Caleb heart and this Caleb vision and this Caleb determination where we look at what the enemies tried to delay and we say all the more I'm having it in Jesus name 
I'm not going to go and sit in the back seats. I'm not going to go and be a bench warmer. I am going to engage with all that God has for me this year. I'm not going to disengage. I'm not going to click off and, and disconnect. I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to stay engaged. And I'm going to give God everything I've got. And I know that he's going to deliver. So let's pray together right now. I'm going to close. If you've really struggled with this, if you felt like apathy has tried to hit you, if you feel like the enemy's just tried to reprogram you so that you disengage and you disconnect from community, and I understand while the physical restraints, some of them have been there, so th there's actually more going on in the spirit. And sometimes the enemy's tried to get us to spiritually and emotionally disconnect from church community or the healthy communities that God's had us in. So let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you've brought this up today. I thank you, God, that you've opened our eyes so that now we're accountable to work with this word, that we can actually go to war with the areas where the enemy's tried to neuter us. He's tried to shut us down. He's tried to disengage us. He's tried to get us to, to connect and agree with apathy and that kind of sleepy spirit, Father. But I thank you, God, that that's not who we are. And I thank you, God, that you're awakening lions today. You're awakening lionesses. That you're awakening warriors, God. Where the enemies tried to tell us that we're slaves and we've gone back into chains. You're telling us that we're free men, we're free women. And that you're putting, you've put your armor on us and your weapons in our hand. And you've put your fire in our hearts. And I just thank you, God, that today is a day of freedom. Today is a day of freedom because of the price that Jesus paid at the cross. That memorial that he, that he enacted over Calvary, God, so that we would all go free, but also that we would all walk in authority. And I thank you that today, God, in Jesus' name, you're awakening those that have been sleepy. You're awakening, Father, those that have been disengaged. And that we're all coming back as one with one heart, one focus, just like on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 in one accord that we're going to pull on heaven and that we're going to be even more undignified, more zealous, more committed, more focused, Father, with more strength in our spirits than ever before, more than we had in March, more than we had in February, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that the only reset happening here is going to be the reset of an increased level of zeal and dedication and fervor for the things that you've promised us, God, and, the, and the, the positions that you've called us to stand in. In Jesus' name. Father, I bless everyone watching, and I ask that your spirit would just cause us to be gripped by your heart, and that we would just walk with a confidence that you have every base covered, that you have every detail taken care of, every need is going to be met, Father, and most importantly, that you are going to take care of every promise that you've made, that we can take that to the bank, and that we are not going to agree with the spirit of the world that's tried to put everyone in neutral and take everyone's Take everyone's uh, momentum away. I just call back momentum in Jesus' name in the church, in businesses, in, in, in relationships. I just call momentum back in the name of Jesus. This is not going to be a slow mo locomotive that takes 30 minutes to warm up. Father, I just thank you that power is going to fall immediately and we're going to go right into, into light speed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God. Well, we've just had church today. I pray that you've been blessed. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend and enjoy your day off tomorrow. God bless you.